0: welcome you are listening to the end time courage podcast with lauren and amy
1: hey 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 welcome back to end time courage with lauren and amy hey i hope our viewers are our viewers they listeners right now you will be viewers at some point we are working on that very steadily and looking forward to that but we appreciate you tuning back in, and today's episode, I believe, is really going to encourage some of you. If you listened to last week, you know that I shared my comeback testimony of what the Lord brought me through, and because we, d- we discussed that in this podcast, we've really given our why, we've given our why. But we wanted to answer the question of who, who are these two girls talking to us? Why are they talking about in time courage? Why do they have courage? What have they been through that gives them this courage? And so we wanted to just take a couple of podcasts and answer that question for you guys. And so I shared my testimony last week and Lauren is here today and I'll just tell you Um, to our listeners. It is hard. We just talked about that. We're going to be very real. It's very hard to go back and to look at something that was ugly that God brought you through, but we're doing it because we love you guys. We want to honor the Lord with what he's brought us through, where he has us now. We want to love you enough to be vulnerable with y'all and to say like, yeah, we're not just coming on here and speaking from these pristine lives Mm -hmm. that have never been touched by tragedy. Mm -mm. Um, So if you're in that, we relate with you. We empathize, we sympathize, and we want to offer encouragement because praise God, we're not there right now. That's not our season. He has brought us through some really hard times. Mm -hmm. And so, Lauren, I, I want you to know that I appreciate, even as your friend, that you are willing to go back and talk about a time that was very hard, that was very ugly, that was very challenging, but I feel like it's going to so encourage one our listeners because we don't know what they're going through, That's right? And then two, I feel like it answers that question: Why is Lauren so passionate about what she's passionate about? Right? You know, there's a reason. There's a reason for that because you've seen what God has done with you, how he helped you out of a really horrible situation. So you're sharing that out of love because you know he can do it again because he did it once before. That's right. So I just, I'm going to give the the floor to you, um, to just begin wherever you want to begin and end wherever you want to end, because I, I even know the headlines, but not the fine print of your story. So I know this is very, um, vulnerable, uh, for you. Um, it was for me last week. And so, um, the Lord is with you and will help you as you, as you share, but just, uh, yeah, just start wherever you want to start.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, just like Amy said, you know, before we even hit record, she looked at me she said, Are You ready? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I am. And it's not because I, I get tired of telling the testimony, it's not that you get tired of telling your testimony, mm-hmm. but um, the Lord t- has taken away the pain. Mm-hmm. But the memory is still there because of having to speak to other people and, and pulling other people out of the pit, right? And that's what Sean and I like to do is go back and pull others out that the Lord pulled us out of. And they are dark times and, and it you may be in a dark time, someone listening and you may be in that place and you haven't been pulled out yet. Just know that when you keep walking, you will eventually walk right out of it and you will have a way to be able to communicate with the ones who are in pain and when they can look at you and say, Well, you just don't understand. You can look at them and say, Oh, but I do. Yeah. I do get it. Yes. I get it. So um I'll just start with my story is very different. And the fact that Amy was crushed physically and then she mentally had to walk herself out of it. I was crushed in the spirit, in my mind, in my soul. Everything was internal. Everything. I went through a traumatic damaging, crushing car crash. Mm-hmm. But it was through internally. And so basically, I'll start with that I, um, I had a father who was an addict. And so my story started off that way, uh, a broken home. Um, my father was an addict, my mom struggled, she raised me and my my sister by herself, but I had really uh, devout grandparents that were really involved in the church. And so the only church or mention of the Lord that I knew was when I was with my grandparents and they would cart my, my sister and I to the Methodist church and an old Southern Alabama Methodist church. And so I had the best times of my life when I was with them. I was with them during the summers and I would be with my mom during the school year and when the school year hit, we never went back to church, and so I suffered uh, through figuring out who I was, and mm. I never had any youth minister or mentor speaking life into me during those school years. But when I went back home to my grandparents' house, um, just for those short, what what is it, six to eight weeks during the summer, you know, out of school, mm. I, I had... knowledge. And I had, you know, people pouring into me, but that was completely just ripped out and just forgotten about once I would go back to school. And then by the time I got to about 14, 15, I never went back to my grandparents during the Mm -hmm. summer. Um, But they would always ask me as I was aging, have you been to church lately? Have you been reading your Bible lately? All the things, right? They would constantly be praying for me and my sister. Um, So that laid a foundation in me that when things got really hard, I knew where to go. I knew where to go. I didn't know have all the answers. I wasn't skilled in the scriptures. But I knew if I found that church, if I could just get to the house of God, someone would know. Someone would know. Unlike my husband that I eventually married, my high school sweetheart, um, who never grew up in the church, never ever heard the mention of Jesus, was never taken to a, a Sunday school class, never taken to a church service, knew nothing so when his life got unmanageable, um, the only person that he had in his life was someone me who knew just a little bit, little tiny bit hmm. of of the Lord and God and and of church. Um, I do want to interject right here,
1: yeah. and for any of our listeners who are grandparents, yes, do you hear? Do you hear what uh, their influence did in her life? Yeah. Which no doubt is why. Part of the reason why you are where you are today. I am because they they laid, even if it was just a stepping stone. Seeds. They they laid something down. So I just encourage you that mm-hmm. if you're a grandma, grandpa, and you're listening to this and your children don't have your grandchildren in church, you can still yes. have
0: this small influence that they will hang on to when hard times hit. So oh, yeah, it was there were seeds, definitely. Um, and I had images in my mind of the things I would see, like speaking in tongues, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. I saw that very first manifestation of the Spirit at a church camp when I was nine years old, 10, well, maybe 10 or 11. Um, I had gone off to church camp with the Methodist youth group. So I must have been about sixth grade if I was in youth group. And I saw this girl, we sh- they shut down the chapel because this girl erupted in a tongue and it scared me because Methodists don't do that. Right. Baptists don't do that. Right. But this was a church camp where all of the churches came together for a week. So she came out of, I guess, a, apparently I know now, like a, a Pentecostal, Holy Spirit-filled believing church. And her mom at the time, this is just a segue, I remember this. Her mom at the time was laying in bed dying, dying of cancer. So this little girl erupts in speaking in tongues. And then we got word at dinner at the chow hall that night that her mom had miraculously been healed Wow! over this girl speaking in tongues, crying out to the Lord. They shut the chapel down. They pushed all of us out. And this went on for like two hours. Her mother was healed. So that image in my mind, I remembered. Yes. As I aged and my life got so unmanageable, I would remember these little nuggets because my grandparents sowed those seeds. Yeah. Right. I couldn't explain it, but I knew something was supernatural that produce something positive. Yes. All right. So, you know, my life goes on. You know, I, I'm a high school uh, cheerleader. My husband's a football player. We are high school sweethearts. You know, we, we uh, dated for a while. My husband starts getting into, at the time, boyfriend, starts getting into alcohol, right? It's, it's a steep, it's a slow, steady tip mm-hmm. toe. Then he starts dabbling into the harder things and the harder things. Well, I did not know until we had been married for five years that my husband had been molested at 15 mm. and because by a friend's father, okay. because of the situation. And now I can't talk about this publicly because my husband talks about this publicly mm-hmm. uh, as his testimony, which caused this spiraling out of control. It was at a friend's house. And because he was a macho man, he played football, he had all these things. He felt as if he was weak because he was unable to stop a grown man mm. from doing something to a 15 year old. You know, he looks back now, now that he's 40, he's himself a grown man. You know, looking at a 15-year-old boy knows that there's no comparison, of course. And um, he kept that, and he kept that, and he kept that. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. So as he got older, as we continued to date, you know, things got worse. And... Uh, I ended up getting into a situation myself because all my peers did it. You know, my boyfriend was doing it. I, I was drinking heavily. I was I was in the crowd. I was doing what everybody else was doing, and my life was manageable. It was fine. I didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. I was just having a good time, right. But we get married, um, things begin to just continue to get worse. My husband starts getting into hard drugs. He gets into uh, the pills. Then he gets into uh, methamphetamines. And it just begins to become a nightmare. At this point, we are uh, in the military. My husband decides to, to join the military because his life was just um, unmanageable. And he's like, well, if I can go to the military, they'll, they'll straighten me up. I'll have order. I'll have all the things.
1: Well, and I want to interject right here as well, that it's why we as believers need to have such compassion mm-hmm. when we see people in bondage, because Your husband didn't just wake up and decide to become this. Something happened to him. Something happened. So that's trauma. You know, you've had trauma. He's had trauma. That will be attended to. Yes. If it's not healed by the Lord, it will be attended to. It will be medicated. Yep. It will be something's gonna be sought after to ease that pain oh and it was and so we need to remember that when we see addicts alcoholics that we don't just judge them but that we try to move in and and help them because there's
0: a reason yeah and there was a reason for him there was a reason and so we were two broken people that collided pew Didn't have any, um, the Lord wasn't in it. The Lord wasn't in I had a little bit of seeds and knowledge planted. Praise God, he never had any. So two broken people collide, trying to make it, trying to figure out how to make this marriage work, right? And at this time, I did have my daughter. Um, In between my husband and I's high school experience and our marriage, there was about three years my husband and I were not together. Mm -hmm. And I ended up dating my my daughter's father, Mm -hmm. who was supplying my boyfriend with the drugs in the area and the high schools and all the communities. He was the dealer of the area. So I went from the user to the dealer. Wow. It was a nightmare. Yeah. And so I ended up having my daughter out of that relationship. So here I was. I was 20 years old. I was now the statistic, right? I was pregnant. And I knew... This is from my grandparents. I knew that being pregnant and having an abortion was wrong. And I knew there was a life inside of me because I knew that the Lord cared about life. I knew it just is. little bits and pieces that I learned from my grandparents. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so important. So I was determined. This baby was it. It was. I was going to have to get it together. I was going to have to, you know, fight, focus. I was 20 years old. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had my mom. I had my grandparents. It wasn't like I wasn't with anybody. Body's help. Mm-hmm. But my mom didn't have anything. Right, She was a single mom, you know, and my mom had so much trauma with my dad and his addiction and being in prison and in jail. And then, you know, my grandparents were in South Alabama, we were in North Georgia, right? So I knew that I was going to have a hard time through this, but I, I knew that I I could do it. So I have my daughter, the relationship with her, her, um, her father, obviously fell apart like it would it was born in deceit it was born in sin and it was um you dance with the devil long enough you're going to see hell yes and And i someone said the other day too lauren and i
1: think that this is what you're saying and we we forget this if you invite sin into a relationship you invite satan into the relationship and that's what happened yes
0: i do want to interject here um that her father is now a beautiful A man who's not saved yet. We're still praying for him, Mm -hmm. but he is a fantastic business business owner. He uh, has able has been able to provide my daughter with a life that for the longest time I couldn't provide her, to provide for her. Um, Is married to a wonderful woman, which I I love very much. She takes care. She helps me take care of my daughter. um, Or or did my daughter's now eighteen. So it, it ended up being a happy story because, but God, yes. And the only reason why he, which is why you're saying, don't judge sold the drugs that he did is because his family was in so much poverty that him and his sister would starve. Mm. Um, they would have to share dinner would be split between him and his sister, a piece of bread. She would get half, he would get half because his father was an addict. Mm. So by high school, he was, well, kindergarten, he was selling candy by middle school. He was selling pot. By the time he was in high school, he was selling drugs and he was making over 100 grand a year and that came out of poverty. And I'm not saying that's right. What I'm saying is when you don't have a foundation of the Lord and you don't have a foundation of positive uh, way that you should live, you start trying to survive. Yes. Yes. When
1: and you, and the only way you know how.
0: Right. Yes. Is worldly surviving.
1: Right. Okay. Without so that's God. how
0: this birth. And but worldly wisdom is well, it can get you in trouble. So this is our life. So here I had a, a young daughter. My husband and I, uh, at the time, he wasn't my husband, but we did end up getting married. We get back together. He has this drug habit. He has been gone using drugs. I've been gone doing my own thing. I am now pregnant. We now realize, you know what? We, we really do love each other. We never should have separated. Okay, this has this has happened. We now have Kaylee, which is my daughter. She's precious. She changed my life. She saved my life. And so we decided, okay, he's like, I'm going to go to the military. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the military. I'm going to get it together. They're going to give me discipline. And off we go to Texas. (laughs) All we did was just take a massive problem and to a different geographical location. Yes. Here I was away from my family. I am away from my mom. I'm now further away from my grandparents. There's nobody here. You don't make that much in the military. So we're still poor. Mm -hmm. Now he has this drug habit that maybe he's not using at the moment, he's what he calls white knuckling it. But now he's around military men cussing, they're drinking. Now he has to go on a tour to Iraq for a year. You know, he's, he's serving. And it
1: got worse. Yeah, I bet. Because, you know, just another message for our listeners, we can't look outside of ourselves to fix something that's inside, of no, us. only God can do that, and so He's looking at a new location, a new system that will be the fix for me, rather than transformation of Him. But He, w- but you still see His heart; He's trying. Yes, he's he's grasping at for something to help him. But the message that, and of course we'll hear in, in all of our stories,
0: only God can do that. Only God, and he didn't know. Like like you said, he was searching for something. He had no wisdom to know what he was searching for. He was searching for God. So was I. Right. But I, I hadn't reached complete depravity yet for me to go, oh yeah, wait a second. I remember But my grandparents said, I remember where to go. That would come later. Well, you still had hope in all these
1: other answers. I
0: still had hope. I was young, right? Right. We had military. We had someone cutting us a check every two weeks. You know, it seemed like stability was starting to happen, but stability wasn't going to fix it. Right. It's a heart issue. It's a sin issue. Right. Trauma issue. Yes. Yes. And uh, we ended up getting kicked out of the military because my husband failed a drug test. But before that came about, um, there would be times where he would just disappear. I wouldn't know where he would go. He would walk out the door and he wouldn't come back for two days. Uh, There would be times where I would have a full cart of groceries. Uh, Sean would be somewhere I had to pull guard duty or I had to do this when really he hadn't to do any of that. He would be out using, okay, in some hotel room somewhere with with some other person or wherever you got the drugs from it just got nasty Um, and I would go to the grocery store with my now I had two kids I had my daughter and now I had my middle son full cart of groceries knowing exactly how much money I had in the bank I would get up to the cash register and my cards would decline Mm -hmm. it would be so embarrassing we would have absolutely nothing in the house beside what I had in the cart uh, People behind me would be like, What's hurry up? Let's get you know, people behind you get frustrated. I would right. be crying, I would be embarrassed. I'd be like, There'd be maybe there's something wrong with my bank. Let me go call them. When I knew what happened, what he would do is as an addict, you're trying to find that next high, you don't care where you get it from. He would be going to all the ATMs and pulling out all of our cash and getting his dope. Yeah, I wouldn't know, right? So, this went on and this went on. And so finally we get kicked out. I end up coming home. Okay. This guys, this story lasted this life. Oh my gosh. This life lasted for six or seven years. Mm. And so, you know, we get kicked out of the military. You would have thought that that would have been the rock bottom for him, you know? And so we come home. I had to come home. I came home. Um, I had nowhere else to go. Um, Came home to be with my mom, so here I was. I felt like I had to come full circle. I was with my mom when I left. Got excited about starting a new life with my husband. Had this baby girl. Felt like there was going to be stability. Now I'm right back where I started, and even worse, I'm even more broken, even more broke. Yes. So Sean's friend, friend, uncle, yeah, it wasn't a fr- uncle, uh, came up to us. We were at Sean's father's house. Um, we were trying to piece our marriage back together, like you do. You know, um, just trying to figure out how can we get over this? How can we get you help? What can we do? Yes. Sean's uncle, Jeff, actually looks at both of us and said, look, I don't have many answers, but I can tell you that I've been going to this church called Free Chapel. And it's not like this, you know, traditional Methodist because I asked him what denomination because all I knew in my head was Methodist, Baptist, Catholic. I just didn't know enough. I just thought, okay, I'd fit in one of these. Which one is it? Because if it's not Methodist, that I, I don't belong there. Right. Like I just didn't have enough wisdom to know that we're all on the same team. Right. Okay. And I think that some of you listening may be in that place. I don't know where you are, but we are all on the same team. And so what he was trying, he was trying to reach out and say, this pastor has really changed my life and way of thinking. Why don't you guys try it out? I think you're going to love it. Right? So I looked at Sean and I said, I don't know anything about this church or their denomination. I can't speak to that, but we have nothing left. Do you want to try it? Mm-hmm. Um, it was Jensen Franklin. At Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel in Gainesville. And so we went and my life changed immediately. Mm. Immediately. I grew I grabbed the olive branch that Jensen had sent out. I grabbed I was eating the messages up because, Amy, I had the foundation. Right. So everything that he was speaking to me, it was welling up the memory. Yes. I was I was starting to remember who I was. Yes. You know, and remembering all the prayers and all of the things my grandparents would say, have you read your Bible today? Have you been to church lately? Jesus loves you. I was remembering these things. My husband, he was a fish out of water. Right. No clue. He had no idea. He had no foundation. He had no understanding. You know, it's like with with Pastor Jeff, you know, your, your husband has a testimony before he became a pastor. He was stuck in the throes of addiction. Yes. You didn't have to witness it. Right. But I know Jeff can attest and he's tested and Jeff is, gosh, him and my my husband. That's why my husband loves Pastor Jeff so much. He can relate Mm -hmm. to that life. Yes, And so it like it took Pastor Jeff a long time with his person that was always the Lord put in Pastor Jeff's life with, um, the gospel and with preaching the word. It yes. took Jeff, what, a, over a year oh, to finally listen to this guy.
1: Yeah. I think for several years. And so, it, so don't give up on,
0: on your people. Don't give up because <laughs> I think Jeff and even Sean said the same thing. I think Pastor Jeff said this guy was straight up annoying. He, he was. was like, Oh God, I have to see his face again today. <laughs> And that's how kind of Sean went. But I took off like a bullet. Right. I had the foundation. Yes, you had the, the foundation. And so he's
1: able to kind of resurrect some seed that's already been yes. planted and reignite something that was oh. actually in there. Whereas with Sean, it, it's try, it's starting a fire from wet wood.
0: Yes. You know, and he's feeling convicted. Right. So now he's getting angry. Right. So now he's feeling judged. So my husband took what I know now as the conviction as judgment. Which is what a lot of people do. Right. They'll Especially go, if they've
1: gotten that yes. before. Um yeah, I want to interject that if I can. Yeah, I ahead. feel like that can be really confusing even for believers, that if you had a lot of shame and condemnation uh before you were saved, it's very hard to separate what is conviction and what is condemnation uh, because God never condemns, he convicts. That's right. And so, but if we're not careful, we'll throw out the conviction because it is so similar to condemnation or God will send conviction and then the enemy will come right behind it with condemnation oh, yes. and we throw all of it out. Yes. And and so it takes some wisdom and some growth to really understand what is conviction and what is condemnation? Because I can tell you condemnation is never coming from the Lord. It's no. either coming from you or it's coming from the enemy. And if you don't know what conviction is, it can make you mad.
0: Right. And <laughs> if you have an addict or someone in, in your life that's kind of, you're you're like, oh, I can write to this story, but they're not getting it. Well, guess what? Don't give up because they're feeling, they are feeling conviction, but they're relating it to, um, um judgment yes or condemnation and they're looking at that pastor going you don't know me right how dare you judge me when really they're feeling convicted right so the story gets worse actually guys So you would think at this point that our life would be great and everything's fine and we found the church and I just take off like a bullet. And, you know, guys, I ended up getting baptized. And so when I came up out of that water, it's like when Jensen Franklin put his hand on me and I went under the water, it's like I got an impartation. I was preaching the gospel. I would read that word and I would just know it and I would know things. Right. And I was still developing in this, this, uh, new gifting that I had. So I was very awkward on my feet. I was a baby trying to learn how to walk in my faith, but I had these gifts that the Lord gave me that pastor Karen puts it really well. She last year in our, uh, uh, class, Kaneo class, which we talked about on the second podcast, she was like, you know, you have to mature in your faith because otherwise you're going to be like this baby with a chainsaw just cutting people. <laughs> right. You don't know how to use it. And yes. so you, you're bold as a lion, but you're dangerous. Right. <laughs> right. And that was me. Right. We laughed about me taking pictures in the grocery stores <laughs> and like famine's coming. Right. But I had no maturity. So that was me. So compare that with someone who's still white knuckling it. Okay. We haven't really addressed the trauma. I still at this point do not know he was. I didn't know he was molested. Mm -hmm. Still to this point. He hasn't been open about his wounds. He's still trying to to save face. Right. I am the provider. I can figure this out. Right. I'm well. I go to church. I'm doing all the right things. I'm going to church with my wife. You know, I'm going to figure this out when really he was just a ticking time bomb. So life goes on. I, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel. I am putting everything I can on any social media platform I can after I would read the word I would preach. And all the time he's struggling. He's watching his wife change. He's watching his wife go crazy, taking pictures in the photo, in the, in the markets, telling him that we're going to starve. You know, so he's He's having trouble with his new wife and his new life. Like I'm no longer interested in the TV programs he's watching. Right. I'm now having trouble with the words coming out of his mouth because every other word's a cuss word. He doesn't yes. realize he's saying. It's like gutting me. It's yes. like cutting me. It's like
1: what fellowship does light have with darkness and
0: so there's being this wedge coming in. A wedge in. was growing yes. bigger and bigger and yes. I didn't know why because my life was starting to be great. Right. And his was just miserable. The enemy came in, convinced him that his life was never going to get any better. The Lord wasn't on him like he was on me. He started to resent me, resent everything I was doing, was being embarrassed by my behavior. Pe- family members would come up and be like, what happened to your wife? She's weird. And he'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I guess she is weird. Like, you know, he couldn't defend me right because right. um, he
1: doesn't understand
0: uh-uh. none of this
1: right
0: he didn't even read his Bible. he don't understand it and even when i would i would tell him about things he'd be like i'm sorry i don't get it and i don't agree and i'm like I don't. oil and water right we went on a vacation to the beach and i knew now this was about three or four years after we had come home from texas we had, he had actually, at this point, Amy, had, had gone to a recovery center for 10 months called No Longer Bound. He ended up leaving No Longer Bound early because I was pregnant with my youngest son. And he used as an excuse, I need to take care of my family. So he didn't complete the program. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, oh, he just wanted to take care of his family. We've been going to Dino you know, Free Chapel. Jensen's been speaking into us. He's fine. No, he wasn't fine. Right. Um, we have since now, um, we go on vacation. And I know, and anybody who's had an addict in their life and who's been through addiction, you know when that spirit comes. You smell it. You Mm. taste it. You recognize it. The behavior, they're off. He started acting just like he was acting when he was using when we were in Texas. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. We get home and I address this beast that's come. And this beast comes after me in this all-out war. Mm. Sean leaves our house, Amy. Out the front door. I'm talking about we hadn't even got hardly the bags out of the car from having a family beach vacation. And he doesn't come back for three months. Wow. I'm talking about he was coaching baseball, going on a family vacation. I saw an a, a issue in him, a, a characteristic in him, because I was watching him closely. You you know, he wasn't going to work, right? He wasn't leaving. We were, we were all together on the beach. And I saw it. I addressed it when I got home. He took off like a cat in water and I didn't see him for three months. Wow. Three months. So guys, imagine you have this life and you have this marriage and you think everything's well. And, and then all of a sudden within uh, seriously a 24 hour period, your life changes. I, uh, We were in a situation where I couldn't. I mean, I was I was making good money at the hospital as a respiratory therapist. I got my degree out in in Texas because he was in he was in Iraq for a year. I didn't have anything else to do. I was like, I'll just go to school and I'll just get a degree. I got a degree in something I thought would cut me a really nice check. I did it not out of uh, a dream or want. It was out of a necessity. So here I did have a degree. I was able to work, uh, but I couldn't pay all the bills on myself. So when he took off, um, the cars were about to get repoed. The home was about to be foreclosed on. I had my kids asking me, where's dad? Where where is he? he, Does he not love us anymore? He, He was supposed to take me to baseball, and he never showed up. My husband fled to a different state. He started a new life. He got an apartment. He got furniture. He was using the whole time. He started drug and gun running across state lines. This is how bad it got. To the point where my husband said one night, he got up off of the couch. I still have no idea where he is. He has changed his number two or three different times. It was a living hell. I was living a living hell. Like I couldn't go back to free chapel because I was now an hour and a half away from free chapel because we had bought a house, a fixer upper. It was honestly, Amy, no bigger than like a trailer, Mm -hmm. but it was on a slab Mm -hmm. in, in a really sketchy neighborhood where I, I, Seriously thought my neighbors across the street were, were dealing drugs. I mean, I was just in a really sketchy part of town. And the whole point of buying this house, we were, we were going we to build our own home and save money, Amy. And so we were going to live like this for a little while so we could build, you know, dollar for dollar. Because I was in that mode of be debt free and Jesus is coming and all these. So here I, now I was stuck. Right. In a terrible place. The environment was awful. And he said he got up one day and he uh, went to go look for his guns and he was going to kill himself. And he went to the cabinet. He said he was so high. He's like, the scariest part, Lauren, is that I had no conscience. Mm. He said, when you're high or when you're looking for the next fix and when you're on dope, he calls it dope. He said, you're no longer you. And it's like something takes over. And he said, he got up, Amy, he was, he wrote me this long suicide text, but he forgot to send it because he was too high. So he it falls on the couch. He gets up to go get the guns, and they're not there. He had forgotten that he had driven all the way up to his father's house two days before and had left his guns at his father's house. Wow. He said he gets to the cupboard. He goes, it was so scary. I get to the cupboard where I I usually keep my guns, and I just said to myself, oh, well, I guess I can't do it today. I'm going to go lay down and go to sleep. He said when he woke up the next morning, the the realization that it was no conscience there, that he literally was gonna kill himself and he was okay with it, scared him so bad. He was like, I cannot believe it didn't stop him. The only thing that stopped him was a week later, he was on his way to do another drug run and they had been watching him and the people that he had been around for a good month at this point. They pulled him over, they put him back in the cop car And while he was sitting in the cop car, he said to me, he he said, God, because he had been praying, he said when he got up the next day after he failed to commit suicide, he told God, he said, God, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I know I can't stop. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my family. I have, I'm a dirt bag. I can't go back to my life or my pastors or the church. The, The person they knew is, I was a fake. You know, I just, if you don't do something, if you don't step in, I'm going to die. Whatever is after me is going to kill me. And I know I'm going to die. Lord, you've got to do something. He said he got up and went and used. So when he was sitting in the back of that cop car, he finally said, Lord, thank you. It's over. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know how much time I'm going to serve. I don't care. I just know that it's over. And you answered my prayer. He said, I wasn't going to stop. Right. But three days before he got arrested, Amy, I'm on the floor. In my little trailer-esque house on a slab, Mm -hmm. wailing on the floor, begging God to take this from me. Mm -hmm. I was losing everything. They were coming after my house. I didn't know if I was going to walk out the front door when my car was going to be repoed. I could hardly go to work, so therefore I couldn't make, because I had nobody to watch the kids. Right. I couldn't hardly bring any money in. We were starving. I didn't have nothing. My mom was doing what she could. My grandmother was doing what she could. And I laid in the floor and I said, God, I am so, I, I was 100, I had lost about 25 pounds. I was 103 pounds. So I was killing myself. I was only, it was only a few, probably more weeks before I was starting to go into organ failure. It was killing me. And I said, Lord, you've got to do something. If you don't do something, I'm dead. So I'm saying I'm dead. He's saying he's dead. Three days later, he's arrested. On the same day, Amy, someone comes up to my front door and says, hey, can I buy your house and everything in it? And I it literally was I was I was (laughs) I was on the front porch and this woman comes walking up to me and she goes, hey, we were going to buy the house across the street. But actually, your house backs up to this farm and we really need the land. So I don't care what kind of condition it is. I was just wondering if you would be willing to have, you know, sell it to me. I know there's no there's no for sale sign in the front yard, and I'm looking at her like, wow, you can have it today. Wow. She walks in my house. And so, you know, you do what you can, you know, when you have nothing, you do what you can to make it such a, an oasis on the inside. And I've done the best I could and My mom helped me. My, my dad's a builder. Mm-hmm. So he would get furniture from all these model homes and he would help me. He would bring in this furniture for free. Uh, and so it looked nice on the inside. And so the woman comes in and she looks around, Amy, and she goes, and can I have everything in it? Wow. Bought everything in it. So I had cash in my hand. Wow. As a matter of fact, you can. <laughs> yeah, everything. So I had cash in my hand and I had someone who wanted to buy my house. At that moment, Sean's getting arrested. Wow. So guys, God's moving all over the place. All over the place. And I didn't know
1: he had been arrested. Right. And he doesn't know what's going on with you. He doesn't know
0: what's going on with me. Yes. Um, The Lord's moving in all these places, right? So I was at death's door. My husband was at death's door. My kids are suffering. You're you're saying all I could think about was my kids, Amy. Mm -hmm. That's all I could think about. I couldn't take away their pain. I couldn't take away why daddy leave. Where is he? How come he doesn't call me? How come he doesn't show up? Why do we not have food? Mom, why are you not eating? Why are you crying all the time? And you know, as a mom, like you were saying it, you know, when you're sitting there in that trauma, you just want so bad to just take away their pain. Yeah. And I knew that this was like a generational curse. And I knew like, Lord, if you don't step in, they're gonna have the same life. Right. Like this is ongoing. Yes. Like this is gotta stop. Yes. And so it did. And so um, I was at work one day, this was three days later. So I traced this back and I get a collect call from a prison, Mm -hmm. it's Sean. He had been arrested and I traced it back and that was the same day my house sold. Wow. And so, um, long story short, he was looking at a 15-year prison sentence. And so we both knew, and I, I knew, I, I even had divorce papers drafted, Amy. I had divorce papers drafted. I, was, I had talked to the lawyer. I had gotten into the shower one morning, and I heard the Lord clearly say to me, because you know how you were saying, when you were in that spot and that, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you get real close to him. And that's all I had. I didn't have friends. I didn't have money. I barely had any family. I didn't have anybody to talk to besides toddlers, so there's no adult conversation. Right. I was in a sketchy neighborhood. I didn't know my neighbors, but it backed up to a farm that somebody wanted, right? <laughs> Just by chance. Just by chance. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I got used to hearing his voice Yeah. and I was in the shower, Amy, and I heard the Lord say, tear up the, the divorce papers. Mm-hmm. I said, no, <laughs> nope. How do you want me to stay married to someone? I don't even know where he is. Number one. Number two, he's destroyed my life. Mm-hmm. Number three, I'm about to die. I'm 103 pounds. Lord, he is, mm-hmm. he is totally ruined my life. Yeah. no. He I says, love how
1: you inform the Lord.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was real, I was real honest. I'm mad. right? I Do, did we not get mad? But I knew obedience was uh, the most important thing before sacrifice. Obedience. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the Bible says obedience means more to me than sacrifice. And I had sacrificed everything. And um, I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll tear up those divorce papers. I'll tear up the divorce papers and stay married to someone that doesn't exist. That's what I'll do. Yeah. I didn't know where he was, Amy. I didn't know where he was. Right. I mean, I could call the cops. What do I tell the cops? Right. A missing person? I don't, I don't know his number. I don't know where he is. I, I haven't what do you want me to say? Yeah. I called the lawyer and um, told him we were tearing up the divorce papers. He laughed at me. He said, you're crazy. He said, what are you doing? We've talked about this at length. Here's your court date. You're not going to get your retainer fee back. And I said, keep the money. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So all of that, we were looking at a 15-year prison sentence. Here I was. The Lord asked me to stay married to a man, first of all, that I didn't even like. I, I was really angry. I was broke. Yes. I had, right. right? Um, I wasn't even thinking about being intimate with anybody. I was freaking trying to stay alive. Yes. Um, that portrayed me, the ultimate betrayal. And it was looking at a 15-year prison sentence. Great. This is who I'm married to. Great life's great. Right. This is who God wants
1: me to be married to. Right. And so mm-hmm. fast
0: forward to our podcast the the last week where I was like, I was sitting at that fire pit going, I'm a Joseph. Are you kidding me? Really? I, yeah. That's laughable. Mm-hmm. We got nothing. I'm sitting in a broken plastic chair uh, at, at a fire pit where I don't even have wood. I think I have trash in it. Right. Okay. So uh, <laughs> at the end of all of this, my husband didn't spend one day in prison wow my husband never was sentenced at 15 years the whole time so he came out of but he we got the, his father put the bond money up which was a lot of money at this point so his father really stepped out in faith put up a lot of money for sean to get out he gets out the lord tells us we need to try to make this work mm-hmm. so here i am living with a man that I'm. i'm really bitter about sure um The Lord had told Sean, you know, all of the hearings, all of the prosecution, because this was a big case that my husband was involved in. Right. He would, we would go to free chapel. We would hear Jensen. We stayed at the church. We stayed real close to the house of God, real close. Every time those doors were open, Amy, we were there. Hmm. Uh, Sean started seeking the Lord about what to do because Sean had said to the Lord sitting in that prison cell, Lord, if if you get me out of here, if you give me my family back, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Mm. The rest of my life, I'll serve you. And he meant what he said at that point. He said, you know, at that point, my freedom was gone. I almost committed suicide. Uh, I was looking at 15 years and I knew that uh, that was my life. And if the Lord would give me one more chance, one more chance, I would do whatever forever for him. And so when he got out and we were doing all of these proceedings, he said the Lord told him, be quiet. Mm. Don't say a word. You're being accused, you stay quiet. Wow. You know, and I want to say that to you guys. If you're being accused, if you're being slandered, right, if there's something, and I, you know, I don't know if you'll ever want to talk about this in later on podcast, you know, you, you and uh, Pastor Jeff have been through a, a lot um, in your life with this, mm-hmm. being just accused of things you never did or whatever, just yes. the enemy coming after you. And the Lord says, be quiet. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Not a word. You don't have to defend yourself. Yes. You don't have to say anything. I'll take care of it. Sean walked into that courtroom. We didn't know what the sentence was going to be. This was a year later. So for an entire year, we were looking down the barrel of a 15-year prison sentence. I had already told my kids, look, Daddy, we're not sure what's happening. But if Daddy has to go away for a while, just know that me and Dad love you very much. You always have your mom. You always have your dad. We both love you. Like we were trying to prep. Yes. So the, the court case came. He had to go back to Florida for the court case, a trial at this point. He walks into the the court, Amy, and he looks at the judge and the judge says, I find no accusations to charge you. You are a free man. You may go, but don't ever let me catch you in my courtroom ever again. Wow. Wow. The prosecution had failed to convict my husband of anything. Wow. So he was walking out as a free man. (laughs) Not one day served. And to this day, I still preach the gospel. My husband is more uh, righteous at times, I think, than I am. sounds <laughs> he, yes, amazing. He's very patient. He's very kind. He's very loving. He's uh, quick to help. He's uh, quick to give, right? Most of our money, he's, he's given on the street sometimes, just random people, you know, that are suffering. Um, the Lord did this. And so, I, I you know, there's obviously more we could say but that's just it and in the nutshell during the pits of hell like if you're walking in hell if you're going through it and the lord's asking you to do things that you can't make sense of just know that obedience is more to him than sacrifice number one number two the lord is always working behind the scenes when you feel like he's not there yeah i did not know these things were going on behind the scenes when i was laying in a floor of my own uh tears and and drool and just you know the ugly cry absolutely uh just going you where are you right what you you see me, I'm preaching your word and I'm, i my life is falling apart. And I've spent my, these last few years just preaching your word. And this is my life. Right. Like you have all these things.
1: Yes. And he was, he was moving and he answering moving, your prayers, but you couldn't see it.
0: I couldn't see it. He, Sean couldn't see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, don't give up guys. You know, you, you pray and you trust him and you trust the process and, you know, you may not be a Joseph like Amy and I are, have these tendencies that you were put in this this pressure cooker. We were both crushed. Amy, physically, me, spiritually, we were crushed. We were put in this wine press and it was awful. It was awful. But the wine that was produced out of that and the wisdom that was produced out of that and the knowing and having that faith as we move into these end times, Amy, about what's headed, I am not one ounce of pride. You cannot scare me. Right. I have been in it and I've seen him show up. Yes. And there's other people in my family, my own sister. She's had this cushy little life. So therefore, it's hard for her to make these big faith moves. And I'm not mad at her and I don't call her. Well, you just don't have enough faith. Well, we've had a very different life. Right. And she's got the the measure of faith that she has with with what her life has been. Yeah. I have a bigger measure of faith because of the life I've had to be in and my calling yeah you know maybe her calling or maybe your family's calling maybe if you're looking at a family member going my life is this and they just have all this greatness well you know what you may be being primed for the biggest greatness of all because of what you're going through yes compared to a sibling or compared to a a member who's not had as much as you've had Mm -hmm. done to them yes you have the wisdom that they don't have yes in these areas
1: and almost, I mean, even, you know, when you look in scripture, almost every Bible character that we so um, love to look to, it's because of their, you know, their great overcoming of something that, yes, maybe they accomplished something great, but what did they go through before that major thing happened? Right. And, you know, the, the redemption that God has brought out of your story is so amazing because, Um, guys, if you know, Lauren, Sean and their kids, I mean, it's amazing. I see you, um, every Sunday night at the revival, Sean and I are in the same Caneo class. (laughs) We're in Caneo one. We say that we're the Cuneo kindergartners (laughs) and, um, we're the newbies. And just to see his hunger for the Lord, to just look at him and to just know what a testimony that he just carries, but then y'all carry, like there's miracles on every front that we see in your children. And their desire, your daughter is in Kaneo with your husband. Yep.
0: And, and my husband me. and her dad, they have the best relationship. Sean and Justin do. Yes. And me and his wife, Justin's wife, Mimi, me and her have a great relationship. My daughter has a beautiful relationship with her father. Now, listen, on what realm would all of this just work out but God? Right. He did this. Right. He did this. My daughter is, she's got a scholarship to Stanford now. I mean, this could have gone so differently. Yes. My kids and their lives could have gone so differently. My husband could be dead. He could be serving 15 years. Me? I could have been an alcoholic, and well, I could have been dead because of my alcohol addiction.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: because of what I was going through, I had a choice: either I could fall back into what I knew, which was drinking and numbing myself, or I could fall on the word of the Lord—that sword—and yes. fall and die to my flesh and yes. trust Him. You know. Yes. But God, I mean, what a
1: story of redemption! And and again, I know that it it goes; it causes you to look back when you recall a uh, stories, and there's something about and, and anyone who's been through trauma you know what I'm talking about, that you can kind of hit the highlights of a story, but there's something about telling it as a story from beginning to end that you really have to look back and kind of emotionally go there to a certain extent to be able to share it. But, but then at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, but God, this is when God showed up and he came in and rescued. I mean he came in as the rescuer. He did. To redeem not only a man not only a woman but a marriage a family and for generations to come. You know, just uh seeing what he's done in your boys and being able to get to know them and see that their, their heart and how the one, if you follow Lauren on Facebook, how he prayed about this cat. that Oh my gosh, that um, so much faith. That's like a, to- a whole completely different story, but <laughs> you know, this little boy has faith and he will grow up with that story as part of his history with God yeah. of how the Lord put his his family back together. So what a testimony that you guys are and that your children are as well, that they were part of that. Thank you. What, what an amazing, amazing story. So,
0: well, I want to just say one more thing before we wrap this up. Yes. I just want to give you guys a little nugget. And this is a podcast from a different, for a different day, but I'll give you this. If that's you and you're having trouble forgiving, or maybe it's a spouse and you're like, "I don't know how I can put this back together, this person doesn't do it for me anymore. Look what they have done at some point. The Lord told me, "Honey, I want you to trust me." and what ended up happening was is that I fell in love with Christ and my husband before I fell in love with my husband again. Mm-hmm. I was watching the Lord develop him and I was watching the Lord work in him and be a part of him. And what I fell in love with was Christ in Sean before I fell back in love with Sean because there was so much trauma and hurt that I had pushed him. It wasn't that I didn't love him. It was just that there was just so much hurt and bondage and just betrayal. Of course. Right. And you don't want to be close to someone like that. Sure. In an intimate way or just as a spouse. But trusting the Lord, guys, and, 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 um, and following his lead when he says, trust me, even though it, it just sounds so just unworldly, that's the point. It's supernatural. It's not going to be worldly. His ideas and his way that he's telling you to operate is not going to be of this world. So all the world was telling me to divorce because that's what the world tells you to do. Right. The Lord was saying, you stay mm. and you watch me be glorified in your marriage Mm -hmm. because it glorifies him when we are where we are today so we just want to leave you with that and yes we love you guys and jesus loves you and we hope that these testimonies have been a blessing to you you know
1: absolutely
0: and um we will see you next time we will guys um yeah
1: tune in next week and we will be right back here Same. play same time and we just appreciate our listeners we've said it before and we mean it we think of you guys we pray the lord knows who you are we pray god's blessings over you we hope our stories have encouraged you and so till next time bye everybody Bye.
0: Thank you so much everyone for joining in today. We really appreciate and love every one of you. We always wanna leave you with tools and resources that will help you prepare for the days ahead. We have links in every comment section, whether you're on the podcast, just listening audibly, or whether you're on YouTube, check the comment section. We have links for Amy's counseling, my uh, prophetic financial information, all is there to be able to help you. We're here to serve you. We love you. And we'll see you next time.